Welcome to the Haunted Road Trip Show, where we bring you powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before. Hell, prepare to have your thirst for curiosity satisfied. Hi, Jeremy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Tracy, how are you? I am good. I am good. And so for, for everybody who is out there, I met Jeremy on a ghost tour that I went on in New Orleans, decided to go on a nighttime ghost adventure. And when it was all said and done, I said, I must have this man on my show to retell these stories. My everybody is just going to love them. And so he has a very illustrious background, y'all, in theater and in arts and he has been there and done that and he even lives in new orleans right now in a haunted apartment i mean <laughs> stuff might happen live on air everybody Say hi, it could Jerry. it could although it's usually at nighttime and we have i have a pretty good relationship with the spirits here so um they made themselves known last night but it's never anything too scary it's just something i've gotten used to i doubt they'll mess with us uh, I know, you know, isn't it the truth that you want them to come out and say hi and they say no and they run and they play this chase game. It's never when you want it. <sighs> I know. So disruptive. Well, tell <laughs> us he runs you guys. If you're in the New Orleans area, he runs a tour company that I'm going to let him talk to you about. And I want you to book a tour with him. Well, first, so my boss doesn't murder me. Um, I don't run the company, but <laughs> I am one of our tour guides. And um, the company is called Hottest Hell. And that actually does come from New Orleans history. Uh, it comes from a letter that a real serial killer named the Axeman, who mm. we never caught, supposedly wrote to the newspaper, although anyone could have written this. And in that letter, the Axeman says um, that he lives in the hottest hell. So that's where we got our company name. That's hell with two hockey sticks. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> we have lots of different tours. They're all great. And all the guides that work with us are top notch. And they really are, you guys. They really do a, a phenomenal job at actually researching, which is why I chose them, is that they they actually have evidential research. And you guys know that I am big on the evidence, um, especially when it comes to retelling people's stories and giving them, you know, giving them the stage on that. Uh, and you guys... And I just want you to know that that Jeremy does know what he's doing. He is a Reiki master. He's done energy and healing work for years. So he knows what's up with hauntings. He knows if there's something, if somebody is just trying to make a dime on somebody's fear, or if there's actually spiritual energy and phenomena happening there. So I'm going to have him. Tell a story that, like I said earlier, you guys, literally stuck with me for too long. And this isn't an old ghost story. This isn't something that happened in the 1700s. This is recent. This is with people that could be your contemporary. So go ahead, grab your favorite beverage, Gather around your favorite electronic 
and I'm going to let Jeremy have the floor. Thank you, Tracy. That's so true. You know, these murders and strange events in New Orleans are not isolated in the past. In fact, this story takes place just 16 years ago uh, when a man named Zach Bowen returned to New Orleans after serving in war. And he was in Kosovo, he was in Iraq, and he was not having a very good time, as you might imagine. He was yeah. having an even worse time than a lot of the other soldiers. He had injuries. He was six foot ten. Wow. Had, yeah. That's like yeah. as tall as some people's like living room ceilings. Uh-huh. Yeah. In fact, the house I'm going to be telling you about, the ceiling was so low that Zach could not stand up all the way in most of the apartment. <gasps> yeah. So imagine that claustrophobic feeling. The ceilings are literally caving in for him. Uh, and he was in a lot of pain at war. He had size 16 triple wide feet that even the U.S. military could not fit properly with a boot. So every step he took sent shockwaves of pain through his ankles up to his lower back, you know, and this takes a mental toll, especially when you're in a foreign land away from your wife and two young sons, which he had. Uh, his wife, Paula, was here in town waiting for him. He was deployed to Germany. He was in the Middle East and he saw war and he even saw one of his best friends, a young woman, die right in front of him. Oh. Um, yeah, a young Iraqi boy that he had bonded with as a father figure was killed because of their relationship. So he had a lot of trauma, and this did become what we would call textbook PTSD. Right. Undiagnosed, never sought help, wasn't <sighs> medicated, nothing. But he was actually thrown out of the army because he was going around telling the other soldiers, this isn't right. We've got to get out of here. We're being used. This isn't a just war. And so he started to fail his physicals on purpose. Oh. Yeah. So the type of discharge he got, he wasn't court-martialed or anything like that, but the type of discharge he got stripped him and his family of all future veterans' benefits and health insurance. Oh, no. So... His wife files for separation. His marriage is falling apart by the time he returns. So this is um, in 2005, and um, he's 27 years old. He goes back to bartending because he'd done it before, uh, before he went to the military. And he meets Addie. So this young lady he meets, he's working with uh, another bartender named Addie Hall. And um, neither grew up here, by the way. They're like myself and like many of us are transplants who come here seeking the freedom, the mystery of New Orleans. And they became a couple pretty quickly, but she had her own type of PTSD. She came from a rough childhood, um, lots of hints at abuse and no real contact with her family at all. She was kind of alone in the world and a teeny tiny thing too. She had to be real tough with a thick exterior and she was diagnosed bipolar, but never sought help or took medication. She self-medicated with alcohol and drugs and Zach slipped right back into that pattern himself. 
So imagine now these two young, attractive kids bartending in the French Quarter, having a great time, but not getting very much sleep, partying <laughs> all the time, covering <laughs> up all their traumas, and they start hooking up. Yeah. And right when they get together, August 29th, 2005 rolls around and Hurricane Katrina makes landfall. Oh, God. The day that changed the city forever, you know, and a lot of increase in mental health issues and crime and spiritual junk. You know, there were people here clearing out the spirits that came in with the floodwaters for oh, years, yeah. years and years. And some say it's never gone back energetically to what it was. So you can picture the environment that they're in and they decided not to leave the city. Addie had a little apartment in the French Quarter and maybe she re maybe she knew it wouldn't flood because the French Quarter rarely ever has flooded. It's the highest ground you can find in New Orleans. So Zach moved in with her the night before Katrina made landfall. And you know what? Ironically, those few weeks after the disaster was kind of the happiest time they ever had together because they could ignore their problems. They had a stockpile of liquor. They had drugs that they mostly cocaine was their vice. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so they were having a good time. They didn't have to go to work or pay any bills. They didn't have cell phones working. His wife and kids did not even know if he was alive and they liked it like that. And this is kind of why everyone became aware of them because the media was here in the French quarter, the reporters, the photographers, it wasn't flooded. So they were all in the quarter and they run across Zach and Addie sitting outside their house, looking happy. And this was a story to them, you know, uh, a little piece of irony. So their picture, little interviews with them getting the New York times, and all kinds of newspapers and everybody knows them now and everyone here pretty much already knew them they were their bartenders but now they're like ooh, symbols of hope mm -hmm. look they're riding out the storm we're all going to get through this and that hope was a little misplaced you know because <laughs> when people had to go back to work and realize that we had lost a third of our population and that things were broken and people were traumatized. Everyone was self-medicating. There was a spike in suicides. And Zach and Addie, it took about a year, okay, after Katrina, but their relationship just deteriorates. They are unable to hold jobs because of their substance abuse problems. They're fighting all the time. Yeah. Zach definitely cheated on her. We know several times. And she oh. Would, oh, yeah. And she would find out and kick him out. And then she'd take him right back. The cycle, the cycle kept of drama, lots of right. drama. And uh, about a year later in October, they finally got, so 2006, they got evicted from the little apartment on Governor Nichols that she had, which um, by the way, is the same street as the LaLaurie mansion, just a couple blocks up is where they were living. Ooh. Yeah. So they found this tiny apartment on Rampart. Now, this apartment is now part of the Haunted Museum, which is a voodoo-owned and operated museum on Rampart that you can actually go inside yep. of. And they lived in basically the attic. It was a tiny little apartment. They just needed somewhere to go. 
And, you know, they only lived there for 12 days. So it all worked out because their time got cut a little short. Mm -hmm. And uh, they even got in a fight while they were signing the lease for this place. And the very next day, the first day of their brand new lease, brand new apartment, Addie just disappeared into thin air. She stopped showing up to work over at the Spotted Cat, famous jazz club on Frenchman that she was working at. And Zach told all their friends that she had left him in the middle of the night, just driven away, who knows where. And he got all his friends together and just wanted to have a big party to celebrate being single again. You know, he offered to pay for strippers and top shelf liquor. And he had tons of cocaine piled up and he gave it away for free so everyone could stay up night after night, just helping him celebrate his newfound freedom. And, um, you know, it was really just a bender to end all benders. Right. Because the next day after this bender, he went up to this really nice rooftop bar and pool at a hotel here in the corridor called the Omni Royal. And they wouldn't even serve him because he was such a mess. So he left. But instead of leaving the way he came, in front of all the people sipping on their drinks on the roof on a nice sunny day, Zach Bowen ran, sprinted right off the roof mm. and died instantly five stories below. off oh. Yeah. And so, you know, the cops got lots of calls on suicide after Katrina, but they knew this one was going to be different. A six foot ten dude jumped off a nice bar roof in the middle of the day. Right. And when they came and found him and searched his body, they found a suicide note in his pocket that had his dog tags attached to it. And it said police only. He didn't want anyone else to read it. And part of it said, I had to take my life to pay for the one I took. Wow. He said, go to that apartment on Rampart, the little attic. Go there. Go through the door and find her. She's up there. <gasps> But when the cops got there and opened the door, before they could even go up into the apartment, they saw all these bizarre messages all over the walls that Zach had spray painted everywhere. Things like, I really, really love her. Please, please help me stop this pain. And a big old arrow pointing down, sprayed in black with the words, look in the oven. So they did. They went to the oven and there were two big pots on top and they opened that first pot and found Addie's head. Oh, God. And it had been boiled. It had been boiled for so long that her skin and hair had slid off of it and disintegrated into a human broth. Oh. And the other pot had her very cleanly severed hands and feet that had also been boiled wow. and then they opened up that oven and found a turkey pan with her arms and legs and they oh, were barely recognizable i mean blackened to a crisp and they had been cooked with a bunch of green bell peppers onions and a whole jar of crawfish seasoning Wow. 
Yeah, those cops had never had a day like this. And it wasn't over yet because her diary was sitting out there open with scribbles and scratches all over it because Zach was trying to make journal entries in her journal while he was cooking her. And he's sort of, some of it, he's clearly in a state of psychosis, but there's moments where he shares what he remembers. And he was very high on drugs. They both were. But he remembered strangling her. And then after she was dead, he tells us that he, quote unquote, you know, made love to the corpse. Oh, God. Many times. And then he went down the block to this Ace Hardware that's still there. And at the Ace Hardware, he bought a saw and he put her nude into the tub and he knelt down beside her. And he, using his experience uh, working with cutting meat, um, he cut her into pieces and boiled her. And this whole time, you know, he was running out to the bars and going to get strippers. He even slept with a stripper during this time. Oh, my (laughs) God. Friends said, oh, he was in such a great mood, just ecstatic during this time period, you know. But he wrote in that diary that once he ran out of cash, that was it. He planned all along that as soon as he was out of money, he was going. So um, he burned himself all over his body. He pressed lit cigarettes into himself the night before he jumped. 28 burns. He wanted one burn to represent each year of his life. And, you know, this, first of all, the media had a field day. Oh, I Really distasteful things, too. You know, girlfriend, gumbo, Katrina Cannibal. But it should be known that he did not actually eat Addy. They did an autopsy and found he did not eat any human beings. We don't really know why he did what he did. Lots of theories. And people go up into that apartment because it's part of this museum. You can go up there. Um, and I believe there are paid tours at night up there as well. And it's very bad energy though. It's very, very bad up there. Um, the paranormal TV shows have filmed up there. They have six or seven distinct entities and the other entities that live there actually refer to Zach as bad man. I'm sure about that. And, you know, this really shook a pretty unshockable city because everyone knew them and they had become these symbols of hope. And it really nailed home this idea that Katrina had taken a much heavier toll than people were perhaps ready to face. Wow. So that is the sad tale of Zach and Addie. And I just want listeners to know that that's not the only decapitation and disarticulation of a young woman that's happened in the French Quarter. It's been going on since the 1920s with the famous trunk murders. Uh, And it has also been happening recently again. There were others around Katrina in the French Quarter. And the most recent case was just last May. What? Mm-hmm. So it's almost always, there's a pattern to it. It's usually men who have worked with meat. 
I was going to say, it's usually <laughs> men who are have butcher or surgical knowledge or something. Mm-hmm. It's often that. It's usually a man that they're sleeping with, whether it's a husband or a, a lover. Um, that's a pattern, but it's not always the case, but that's that's most of the cases. So, yeah. Okay, I have questions. And okay. I'm sure listeners are going to go, I have questions <laughs> on that. So how, I don't even know which question to even ask first. <laughs> so I know this, tell them about the oven. What happened to the oven afterwards? Well, the cops, you know, actually did take the appliances for the investigation. And during that time, the owner who still owns the building today, very nice man, he did rent the apartment out right after the murder. There was a guy, I don't know much about this guy, but a guy did live there right after the murders with those entities. <laughs> and then the appliances were brought back and reinstalled. So today the original appliances are back up there. And that's one of the reasons people seek it out. I think they want to actually touch and see these appliances. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much power those objects have compared to just the space itself. It certainly lends a creepy factor to it. Um, but ever since, it's been part of this museum. I just don't think I could feel like relaxed taking a bath in a tub <laughs> knowing what happened in that tub like yeah. I, I i would just be like yeah i don't i don't i'm not afraid of spirit but i'm not exactly gonna live somewhere where some traumatic event like that voluntarily had to do that what um did I? I mean, did anybody ever question like, wh where's Addie? Like, that's not like her to leave. Like, any mm -hmm. her girlfriends ask where she was at, or if any her girlfriends be like, I know y'all fought a lot. Where's she at? Yeah, there were. I remember there's a really great book on this called "Shake the Devil Off." I'm shocked it has not been turned into a film yet um really well written the whole first half of the book is really focusing on zach at war and the, all the things he went through um but Addie is a bit of a mystery there's not a heck of a lot about her upbringing or family it's just heavily implied that it was really bad in fact if i recall correctly it took about three years for anyone to show up and take her remains that was my next question who showed up to claim her like friends? i believe it was like a kind of a distant relative or a, a high school friend i can't remember that detail but i know that her remains sat around i think she was cremated and her remains her ashes sat around for like three years so that tells you a little something about addy i mean she's she obviously the victim here. yeah uh, but a lot of people were afraid of her. She did have a kind of um, a wild 
unpredictable. You know, this, you know, part of it was being bipolar, untreated. She had sort of um, episodes in public where she was drunk and screaming at people and all that. So um, I do recall there were some concerned friends that found it difficult to believe she would just leave New Orleans. Like, where would she go? She didn't have family to go to. And something about it says that, like, feels like she doesn't know how to drive to me or didn't know Mm. how to drive very well. Interesting. You know, like, I was like, no, I don't think, you know, some people, they just live in like one little neighborhood and they never really leave. That's kind of how it felt like for her. Like, I don't think she'd manage well out on like. So I think that's so dead on because a lot of people don't realize if you haven't been to New Orleans or if you haven't lived here. It's really, really easy to, if you live and work in the French Quarter, you're probably not leaving very often. Uh, You might, you know, if you can get by on the food that's available, the groceries that are available, and you live and work there, there's not much reason to leave. You can walk everywhere. So I never thought about that before, but I think that's, uh, that is a little clue that maybe Zach's story had a hole in it. But you got to remember, this happened so fast. In 12 days, they were all over the news. So from the time she supposedly left New Orleans to the time this was front page news was 12 days. Right. That is, and and it is just, like I said, guys, not all ghost stories, not all, you know, hauntings are are hundreds of years old. So you, you said that in in the space that they had lived in and where the murder took place, that there's one entity. Now, what other things are reported up there? Is anybody reported talking to Addie or talking to Zach? Well, I know um, that Zach is supposedly quite a presence up there. Now, there's some paranormal TV show that filmed up there years ago. I can't remember what it's called. Um, There's a few of them, actually, but one of them, the investigators communicate with a little boy named Abraham, Mm -hmm. who they say died in this room, which is quite plausible because, you know, in the late 17 and all through the 1800s, children died by the hundreds here from yellow fever. Right. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you go to one of our cemeteries, the wall vaults are just chock full of babies and children. It's really sad. Um, and of course, you know, their spirits can linger as well. And so supposedly this spirit was communicating by tossing little pebbles and things at the investigators. And he told them or some medium that was in the space about bad man, which they figured out was Zach. Because if you think about this only happening 16 years ago, those other spirits already lived there. (laughs) They're much older. So this idea that we as human beings can affect and even traumatize spirits, some of them are children, you know? And if you think of a children who's a child who hasn't moved on, that can be a very innocent or confused entity oh yeah you know this and and you guys this this house is tiny house on on rampart correct yeah it's an old creole cottage those are the oldest homes we have and this is really an attic space 
you know, we'll turn anything into an apartment here and, you know, another opportunity for a landlord to pick up a little extra money or for somebody on a budget. And so there's attics and there's a lot of old outbuildings, which were the living quarters for enslaved people. And, you know, a lot of bad things happened there. And a lot of people died there too. And people now live in those spaces as apartments. So then we also have a whole layer of corpses and um, coffins underneath sections of the French Quarter where we had cemetery in the 1700s. So it's unavoidable. If you come to the French Quarter, you know, a lot of people tell tall tales. There's a lot of legends. Oh, yeah. Not everything is true, but it is true that you'll, you will be among the dead here. Yes, it is true. And as a medium, I can I can surely say I have very good boundaries as a medium, but those streets watch you. <laughs> I don't think that there was a moment from the second I stepped into the French Quarter to the second I stepped out that I didn't feel like I was being watched. Well, especially you as a medium, yeah. I would think, would feel that way because I they was, know you're there. They know you're there. They know that I'm there. They, I was, I was staying at the provincial. Oh. And I was, and I was telling my friend Jason, and I was like, I can't fall asleep. I was like, they will not be quiet in this place. <laughs> like that was the first time that I've ever had a really hard time falling asleep in a hotel in a haunted. You know, hotel. it's very common, even for uh, muggles, so to speak, uh, to have a difficult time sleeping here. Oh, yeah. And a lot of it's like, oh, the excitement and we want to be out. There's 24 hour bars, you know, that's part of it. But I think what some people don't realize is the density of the spiritual activity as well. It, it might be stimulating for people without them realizing it. Yeah. And, and I don't think that a whole lot of people do realize how how much spiritual energy can really affect your vibration. It can, it can kind of hype you up. And, you, and if you're not aware of it, you just think, Oh, I'm, it's exciting. Yes, it's exciting, but you got spirit all around you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I had, I, I cannot wait to come back to New Orleans and maybe do some on-site investigations yeah. and things. And, you know, and we'll definitely have to have you back on because ladies and gentlemen, he, he's got stories. Oh yeah. This was just one of, I think five stories that we heard on the tour that I was like, Oh God. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh we'll God. We talk about vampires, which, you know, real vampires, a lot of vampire legends, but there are real vampires too. And, yes. Yeah. And I even started to do a little bit of research about that vampire story that you tell. I was like, I've heard this a time or two. Uh huh. This is interesting. So you want to play a little game? Oh, yeah. I love games. Okay. Okay. We're going to play. And let me see if I can get this right on here. Hold on. I have to do some magic things here of clicking stuff of sharing my screen. We are going to play book it or book it where we will look at some houses on my 
favorite, absolutely favorite site on Instagram called Cheap Old Houses. Have you heard of it? Mm, no, I'm going to have to uh, follow that page. I love Instagram. Yes. And so we are going to share this tab instead. Okay. Yes. Share this tab instead. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can you see the house? Yeah. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm hoping this is recording right. Or my editor is going to be like, oh no. We are in Enfield, North Carolina. And it says on here, $59,000. And you guys, mantles, mantles, mantles. Okay. Endless possibilities exist in this 3,000 square foot Victorian available for somebody who is ready to revitalize. Honey, this needs more than revitalization. <laughs> That's all I got to say. All <laughs> right. Yet, you know, in New Orleans, that would go for about half a million at least. Right? Exactly. In, in Austin, it's like $4 million and we'll let you onto the parking lot <laughs> here. So let's see. It says features two gorgeous story foyers with beautiful hardware floors. All right, let's let's see what this listing is. It 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 looks all right from the outside, mm. but going I, in, I have a feeling about this house already. I know. I've got I've got feelings. I have. Is that the um, point of this game? Are we are we determining if there's energy in these houses or what well we know that there's energies in it we're just determining like would we book a night here or would no we book a, night. a night here okay i don't have to move in permanently no are we okay. booking it or are we booking it oh i get it i get it now yeah <laughs> i mean i'll spend a night just about anywhere although i'd want to know is it totally isolated in the middle of nowhere yeah, it usually... says it's located near major interstate so whatever near mm. means i have a sneaky suspicion this is these are on larger lots and wooded areas yeah at least the staircase looks fine i'm good okay oh. mm. yeah Hmm. I mean, I'll put it like this. I'd book it if we could do like a proper investigation and not go to sleep. <laughs> exactly. And we probably would be up all night doing uh -huh. a proper investigation because this place is just like, if I opened up enough to just kind of peek into here, I really would love to get the energy of this place because it looks like it's had quite a few families come in and out of here. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, there's some hidden secrets in that basement. That's all Ooh. I got to say. Yeah. I'd be real curious about that basement. I'm like, uh, I do like the architecture in here. I like a good slanted wall. Mm. I don't know. We would have to make, Ooh, creepy kid photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's when the listing was saying mantles, mantles, mantles. You get the feeling that this house was abandoned. Yes. And so I my, got that. My question is, why was it abandoned? Exactly. Because it doesn't look that tore up. Mm, it's, it's what you call a fixer-upper. Oh, yes. That, that's pretty. Yeah. That's really pretty. That's part of the fix. <laughs> I'm curious about that ceiling, though. It almost looks like... Um, a makeshift ceiling that was put in. It does. Cause that chandelier just kind of looks way out of, Oh goodness gracious. I guess the listing is right. Mantles, mantles and more mantles. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. 
I absolutely adore this. This would, I wonder if that's a, a, a what do you call it? Asbestos. I, mm. I would stay there, but only if we could do some investigation. I'm not yeah. hanging out too long in there. I would feel better in the daytime. But we got to do the night. I know. <laughs> we got to at least do a few hours after sunset. All right. Let's do one more. Okay. One this is more. Fun. This is, okay. Share I love looking story. at old houses and that's one of the things I love about living here. Oh God. Yeah. I, I would imagine. I would. I, I love looking through this site sometimes. It says, so folks, we, oh, we're still in North Carolina. I didn't even realize. Hmm. Okay. We picked wow. two North Carolina ones. Okay. Um, 350 historical home built in 1909, a true architecture masterpiece, yada, yada, yada. Um, six bedrooms, three bathrooms, a clean slate for your dream kitchen, which means it's already been demoed once. Hmm. 10 stunning fireplaces. Wow. Holy bejesus. So this is mantles, mantles, mantles. I'm definitely curious and I want to go in. Those columns are calling to me. Yeah. I'm like, I I want to go up to like Those either. Those look the like uh, Corinthian columns, which are the fanciest type. So somebody with money built this house. Somebody with big money built this house. And I really want to go up here to that window. You can right. see also it's raised. Yep. That means there was foundational issues. As a New Orleanian, that's very comforting. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Ooh. Wow. Can you imagine that house in Christmas time with lights around that? Yeah, that's really stunning. I'm definitely excited about yes. staying here. Yes, me too. Okay. This Another looks fixer like a rubber. House. Yeah, was business all. But I'm not feeling. Uh, I'm not feeling the same sort of darker energy that I did with the last house. Yeah. yeah. But look at the sliding doors. Mm, love. That's that is P.S. to my future life partner. Sliding doors. <laughs> yeah, just the sound that they make is wonderful. I do. I want to be leave my office and then slam. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. Beautiful. Ooh, look at the fireplace. It's all green. Okay. I like I would, the energy. I like the energy. The energy is quite nice in here. It mm -hmm. feels like it's been in the same family for a long time. Hmm. And matter of fact, I really, I would, wouldn't be surprised. Like it almost feels like law offices or something could have been yeah. in here. Yeah. So many ways to create privacy. Exactly. More huh. fireplaces and sliding doors. Wow. Almost looks like a bedroom. It almost does, but I think this is right off the foyer. Yeah, I do too. Huh. And I think that's, I don't know where we're at. We're not we're sure why there's a random mattress there. But... I don't think we want to know why there's <laughs> a random mattress there. We're just going to go, okay. But we I high, look at those high ceilings. Oh my gosh. Look at this. I'm just going to say right now, unless something extreme comes up, I'm definitely going to book this. I'm booking it. I want to stay there. I would stay there all overnight. I wouldn't even care if there was no power. I would I'd probably stay, stay there, there for a week. I would definitely <laughs> stay there. What's, what's the food source? What's the food situation? Oh my yeah. God. Wow. 
this yeah we're i'm gonna book it i yeah. i will book an evening there if they are doing if they are doing airbnb then i will <laughs> yes exactly then i will for sure be booking it there for what that what's that called again uh old that page cheap, cheap old houses on instagram i i love following pages like that on instagram I do. I mostly, I go on there and I say, just spirit, which ones should we look at? And I just open them up in tabs. And then when I get on with the guests, then I look through them. But you guys, this has been, I, I hope that you guys love this programming because Jeremy, if he wants to come back on, he is more than welcome to you guys. But I thought I will have him on for our spooky edition of the Halloween edition 2023 of here. Um, because real ghost stories are the best ghost stories. So um, true. Yes. Jeremy, tell, tell them where they can book a tour with you again at. So hottest hell is our company name. And you can go straight to our website if you want to avoid all those little hidden fees and things that Viator and TripAdvisor like to charge. But you should go on Viator and TripAdvisor to read all of our amazing reviews and, and all that. But if you, you know, want to book directly through our website, that's great too. Um, and we're all over the place. Get your guide and Google and all that. But we have our own website, of course. And we have a very... Um, we have about five or six different tours now. We have a voodoo tour. Ooh. We have a tour called the Dim Quarter. Maybe Tracy will come on next time. That's all true crime stories. Yes. And um, yeah, we've got all kinds of things. So we're really good. We, we all put forth a really great effort to kind of elevate this profession that is really much maligned. And people say, oh, people drive past tour guides and harass us and say, Oh, they're lying to you. And you know, there's a few bad apples in the mix who um, tell stories that aren't true. And we're really trying to correct that and bring some respect to the profession. So we take it very seriously, but we're still going to entertain you. Yes, folks, they are definitely going to entertain you. And my advice is book with them now because they have like, I was, very rarely am I highly impressed by a tour in a city. And I was, I was very impressed with that. com. you guys put in the comments, give us your thoughts on there, but thank you so much. Thank for you for on. having me. And if y'all want to find me on Instagram, I'm on there. And if you do come to new Orleans and take our tour, you can try to request me too. If you want to come on my tour, but my coworkers are great too. Yes, but you want to see Jeremy. All right, you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much and tune in, y'all, because you never know when Jeremy might be popping back on. All right, stay safe out there, y'all. Take care, everybody. Bye.